0: Praise God. Amen. Well, it's three weeks till uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. That's on April the 4th this year. And uh, so we're going to just be looking into uh, a little bit about how to stay dedicated as disciples of Jesus Christ. And how to stay encouraged in hard times. Amen. Amen. And the best way to do this is just walking with the Lord Jesus. And you're going to see that uh, as we uh, begin to do that. Amen? Amen. There is a word that god gave me a few years ago it's uh nothing uh fancy it's uh just the word resolve and uh it is something that made a huge impact on me uh, and it came through the life and ministry of our lord jesus resolve simply means to decide firmly on a course of action Make up your mind. Determine. Decide. Affirm determination to do something. So, this will help you to increase your effectiveness as a believer, as a Christian, as a disciple of the Lord, if you let it. Um, But the Christian life, as God intended... Is a choice. And. The life. I don't mean the event of you know. Saying the prayer. You know how we. How I'm big on that. This is supposed to be our daily bread. Not one cold snack a week. Amen. <laughs> a lot of. A lot of. Uh, starving Christians. They might. They uh, might. They might eat plenty in the natural, but uh, their their soul is uh, hungry. And so I want to talk about that. But the the life that God intended to fulfill the purpose that he has written for each and every one of us requires faith. Of course, as we know, we've been talking a lot about that as one of the fundamental tenets and basic things essentials of the christian life is walking with faith and without faith it's impossible to please god and last week we even mentioned the fact that anything that is not of faith is sin so that's that's pretty much settles it right there there's no arguing with that um, and by their fruits our fruits the believers uh, we will uh, be known amen Jesus is our greatest example, so I want to go straight for everything good, because every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no shadow of turning. In other words, He's not going to change. So we can always look to the Lord to find our examples. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. When the days drew near for him, that's Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. I want you to just meditate on that scripture for a minute. When the days came for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jesus had great resolve. He resolved in his heart and his mind with great determination. His mind was made up. no matter what was between him and there, his destiny, he was going. Why? Notice it doesn't say when the time approached for him to be crucified, which he was very well aware of, wasn't he? Not when time came for him to die on the cross, but when the time came for him to be taken up, where? To heaven. He wasn't looking at the temporal. He wasn't looking at the carnal. He wasn't looking at the natural. As hard as it was. He had his focus on the kingdom of God. His eternal destiny. His home. His father in heaven. Matthew 6. What we refer to as uh, the sermon on the mount. Verses 19 through 34. Jesus, of course, preaching. Starts out by saying, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up... For yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What are you looking at? Spiritually and physically. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light in you is darkness. How, if, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoured, devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And he goes on to tell us about worry and anxiety. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about The unbelievers seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus had his eyes on the kingdom. If you want to stay encouraged in a dark world, look at the light. God is light. You ever have trouble sleeping at night? You know, the best thing to do, because that's when the enemy comes and tries on your mind, you see. Best thing to do is praise God and read the Bible. Because the only thing that drives out the darkness is the light. Rejection's going to come. Look in the next verse. When the day, oh, oh, I'm back in Luke, I apologize. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go ahead and read this whole passage. And he sent messengers ahead of him, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Now, the Samaritans were a mixed breed. The Jews were very uh, racist in that regard. The, they had been taken off into captivity to Babylon at some point. You remember that? When they returned, some of the Jews had mixed, <laughs> you know, they married and, and, and so forth with some of the Samaritans. And so they were a mixed group, and the, the real Jews really looked down on them. They didn't have anything to do with them. And so uh, most people not loving those who hate them, they hated them back. Okay, so that you'll, you'll have a little better understanding about this. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Once they found out he was going to Jerusalem to participate in the Passover with the Jews, then they didn't like him anymore because they had these biases. And prejudices. And when his disciples. James and John saw it. That these people were mistreating him. They said Lord. You want us to tell fire to come down from heaven. And consume them. (laughs) Because why not. That had been done in the Old Testament. Hadn't it. By the prophet. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And in another translation it says he told them you know not what manner of spirit you are of and they went on to another village you're going to have rejection in this life if you live for this word i can guarantee you that that testimony i read to y'all a little while ago that is not normal most people just run from you. They exclude you from their life. They have nothing to do with you. If they disagree with you, they get mad and that's it. You don't hear from them again or they say something ugly before they delete you or whatever. <laughs> and that's it. They're not really open to the truth because they've already got their minds made up. And... Even the ones that love and respect you because of this. If they're not quite there, they won't be comfortable around you. And a lot of the time, this is what you're going to have to deal with. This is called bearing your cross. Amen. But God sets the lonely in families. In other words, the the whole church, the body of Christ is a family. Even though we don't act like it. Well, we do act like it unfortunately. (laughs) But it's not that's not how it's supposed to be with the family. Supposed to love each other and encourage and and all that. But the point is we're gonna have rejection, just like Jesus did. But we have to keep our resolve to fulfil the mission just like he did. What the temptation is with Christians is to just get weary or the temptation comes when they get weary and just decide, well I'll just I'll still believe but I won't be so overt about it. I'll blend in a little bit more with the world and just get along. And this is a mistake, folks. Not that we're supposed to go out trying to start trouble. There are Christians that do that too. I have some that actually Like one friend I've been trying to deal with for 10 years, he really has a gift. Um, But there are lots of people who have ministry gifts that uh, are never utilized or not done properly because, first of all, pride comes in the way and they've never submitted themselves to a teacher. And other times, this one in particular has the... Uh, I, believe in, I believe that in him is the ministry of a real prophet. And that is something uh, very unique and rare and special and precious to the body of Christ. Because they really do exist. But finding one that you can temper and, and guide into that office. And to do it properly under the new covenant. And not sound like an Old Testament prophet. Always speaking fire and brimstone to people. Because that's wrong, you see. Anyway. (laughs) How did I even go there? (laughs) (laughs) But we have to remain dedicated as disciples of the Lord. Once Once you put your hands to the plow, Jesus said, if you turn back, then you're not worthy of the kingdom. So staying the course is not always easy. You're going to get weary, you're going to get tired, you're going to get discouraged. But we're trying to learn how to stay encouraged even in the midst of adversity. Paul is another great example. Of course, Jesus is the perfect example of everything that we need to know. But Paul is as well because he wrote about... He encouraging people and how he was encouraged and when he was chained up in prison, you know, and uh, (laughs) he called them light and momentary afflictions. Why? Because he was thinking of eternity and how this is we're just here for a flicker. And and based on what Jesus went through on our behalf, what we have gone through or are going through, it might seem like a huge mountain, but in light of everything that he went through on our behalf, it's nothing. And the more we magnify the Lord, the smaller our situations and circumstances will become in our mind, you see? And besides that, the more we magnify him, which is basically by meditating on him, on his word, praising him and worshiping him you know prayer is really just thanksgiving for the most part it should be most people think of prayer as just well do everything i can as long as i can with everything that i have and then if it just gets to the point where i'm just exhausted all my resources and can't think of anything else i'll go and complain to him a little bit that is not a prayer life that's not a healthy prayer life not saying he won't listen but, but uh, he's shaking his head and not uh, tapping his foot. <laughs> the, uh, it's sort of like the A B C. So first of all, we just want to make sure that we resolve as Jesus did to stay the course. And then we want to look at how to do that. And I want to suggest to you... That very simply, by staying close to Jesus. And I say, well, okay, um, now that you mention that, well then that just fixes everything. Right? No. I'm going to give you something to think about regarding staying close to Jesus. When, I, when you think about staying close to Jesus and... The problems with not staying close to Jesus. Think about Peter. Because we love to talk about Peter. Although I always make sure to mention that he did wonderful things to build the early church. They used to lay people in the streets. Just so hoping that when he passed by his shadow might touch them and heal them. He was crucified, history tells us, upside down alongside his wife. Because he asked to be, not Didn't want to be crucified. Didn't think he was worthy to be crucified. In the same manner as our Lord Jesus. So he was crucified upside down. Alongside his wife. So when I make fun of Peter. Lovingly. It's not because I don't respect and admire him. Because I do. And uh, I got a way long ways to go. Before I even can touch that. But. (laughs) He wasn't always like that. And. He was a fighter, kind of like some of us we just uh came up just sort of uh, wanting to always do things physically uh, with our with our tongues or with our fists or whatever that's how I was raised right and uh you know this uh just recently my my daughter who is my thats that's my baby you know she's uh that's my girl and, and uh, you know how we are about those we love so much and uh, you know she was having a little problem with a neighbor and uh, I don't want to talk about their business but they were she would ask me things you know and how to handle this and so forth and we'd pray and, but then they, uh, this neighbor really was just not behaving well you know and uh, they were having to stick with some old service because they couldn't get their Comcast because these people were had threatened the Comcast guy with their Rottweiler if he came on their property and so forth, and so they were just trying to be good neighbors, my daughter and son-in-law, and just not not cause any conflict and do whatever they could and and I just and so when I finally heard enough, because I, you know, initially just well, just pray, pray, and when I heard enough, well, I was like, alright I'll I'll take care of this. You know, enough's enough. <laughs> and thank God I didn't just go straight over there. Because that was my impulse. That's what I used to would have done. And I'm, I would have probably fed that fellow that Rottweiler, you know. But I went back and I asked the Lord and talked to him about it. And he again restored my soul, brought me back into alignment with his will and his ways, and the the real art of warfare for a Christian, which has nothing to do with physical and verbal assault. Our enemies are not people. They are demonic forces. Amen. Amen. So we continued to pray. And now... Uh, Things are beginning to change. All of a sudden, they allowed the Comcast man, and now they have their Comcast, and we're believing that everything else is going to line up, and it will. Just like all the, you know, what is it? We're we're uh, we're an hour into church, and we're just starting the message because we had wonderful testimonies and prayer, and just just that's that's church. That's and. Uh, you know, uh, I I want you guys to have that attitude of gratitude, first of all, to the Lord and expectancy. Well, because that's what Jesus said in Mark 11, 24. When you pray, believe that you have what you prayed for when you pray and you shall have it. So the world don't get that. They say, well, when I see it, I believe it. But we are... Becoming those true disciples who pray and just believe that it's done. Mm -hmm. And then we come back later and tell how it was done. (laughs) And we're ecstatic about it, but we're not amazed and surprised by it, you see. Mm -hmm. Jesus Jesus was always astonished by how amazed the disciples kept being after they kept seeing all these wonderful things Mm -hmm. he did. And then they'd get amazed the next time he did something. He's like... (sighs) You're you're amazed because you don't remember the last thing that just happened. (laughs) Not because you didn't bring bread. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about with Peter, though, is on the night of Jesus' betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, after they had the, the Last Supper, as it's known, and then they walked... Across the Kidron Valley and up onto the Mount of Olives, and then they came to arrest him. A whole bunch of them. And Peter was ready to throw down, wasn't he? Matter of fact, he cut a fellow's ear off right away. He would have fought to the death. So he had the natural part still, but he didn't get what we're talking about here today the spiritual warfare that is really the only means of warfare for a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus picked the poor fellow's ear up and put it back on for him, thankfully. when <laughs> oh, they said they were looking for Jesus, and he said, I am. That's the words he said, the same thing that God said his name was when he told Moses by the burning bush. Those words contained so much power that it blew them all back and knocked them to the ground. Peter, on the other hand, when they arrested Jesus, Mark, Mark ran away naked. <laughs> Peter at least followed, but at a distance. And before the night was over, he denied the Lord three times. That space. That space that we give sometimes when we're in doubt and fearful and confused. That's what it was. Peter was more than willing to suffer in the flesh, in battle, but not in the way that he was going to have to suffer the persecution he was going to have to endure and all the things that he was began to fear he began to imagine all this stuff you know you're going to be thrown out of the church they're going to kill the man that you thought was the big savior and going to be the conquering king and hero and then you're going to be in the shackles and this and that and he. It paralyzed him with fear. can do the same to us if we're not careful. It's just like telling a young person about drugs and premarital, you know, what, and all those other things in advance. Raising them that way to understand that those things will come against them. And that that's not their friend. That's a trick of someone, of the enemy... Really, the long term effects of that short term pleasure will be much more harmful and you have to find good ways to do that. I'm not that person. My wife is, you know. I can talk to adults like you. I'm not a children's minister. I love them. But talking to them like I'm talking to y'all is how I generally do it. My wife's like, "Hold on a second here, just just let let me handle this." I'm like, "Yes, baby." (laughs) So that space is what we give when we decide when we get fearful. And uh, we decide that we're not really prepared to endure the persecution and hardships that just being a Christian in this world looks like. There are people all over the world that are enduring the same thing that the early church endured. We don't like to think about it or believe it, but they are. People are being crucified. People are being burned alive. People are being killed and tormented and tortured and put into little into prisons for years, thrown away. North Korea and places like that, just for being a Christian. There were more Christians martyred in the last several years than in the last 50 years around the world. And so just to have a a party in charge of our political system here who's not really pro-church. Well look, they're not here bothering us right now. We live in a great state. We're really blessed. We flew under the radar. I don't think we ever really shut down what a week or two? Yeah. Wow. So we don't have a lot to complain about, be fearful about, to be worried about. What it is is other things. Verse 26. Of. Uh, well Proverbs 29. Verse 25 and 26. Verse 29. I mean chapter 20. Proverbs 29. Verse 25. Is one that you hear me quote a lot. It says the fear of man brings a snare. But Here. Then there's a promise. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And you say, well, I don't know. Because sometimes, you know, you just have to sort of uh, go into self-preservation mode and uh, and just... uh, you know, if you really put yourself out there and make yourself vulnerable for the Lord, uh, you know, he doesn't expect you always to do that. You might uh, lose your job. You might uh, lose your friends or something like that. So sometimes it's okay just to, uh, you know, blend in a little. Oh, it's not what this says. It says, because that's the fear of man, whether you admit it or not. I've I i I've charged in, in love... Um, I try, I, I, sometimes I may not sound like I'm, um, uh, I think my voice comes across, you know, Tavana tells me sometimes you got to be careful how you say things. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not aware of that, you know, but especially a man, it can come across as hard and harsh, so we have to really Temper that. And I've worked on that over the years. I think I'm way, way, way better. I know I am, matter of fact. But still, we have to be careful how you say that. But the fear of man can come in various forms. And I've, I've told people about this many times. I've never had one single person say that they walk in the fear of man. They always deny it. When, I, when I've identified it, know that that's exactly what's going on. It's the fear of man. It brings a snare. In other words, the snare is from The devil. It's an open door for the enemy. When you're when you're fearing man, you're not. It's the opposite of fear. Uh, fear is faith. The opposite of faith is fear. You can't do both at the same time. So when you if you're not really trusting in God, when you're trying to blend in with the world. The next verse is is a perfect example of that. Verse 26 of Proverbs 29 As many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. You see? So what will we do? Well, all this this neighbor's not being good to my kid over here they're talking about threatening I'll, I'll call the authorities I'll go talk to the mayor I'll call I'll call Comcast. I'll go down to small claims court I'll file suit you see all these things come to your mind after the first I'll, I'll W-H-A <laughs> 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 which I immediately ruled out <laughs> but it was the first thought but yeah, and then all these other things. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? We think of all the natural resources. Who can we talk to? Who can we get to fix this for us? And then, when all that is exhausted, ah, maybe I'll ask the Lord. Let me see. <laughs> People go seeking the face of a ruler first—somebody in charge, someone with power, someone with authority. I can get to help me with this. But it's the Lord that gives a man justice. I I talk to my uh, hot-blooded nephew a lot of times. I can say that about him now because he was the epitome of just that when he was young. And a lot of it wasn't his fault. He came from my hot-headed brother. (laughs) And he was worse. He's the type that if you did something to him or said something to the girl he was with or something like that, he might just put five of you in the hospital. And he was very capable of doing it. And so that made him even more <laughs> dangerous. And now he is a loving husband and father and uh, has three children and takes <coughs> care of his business and uh, and uh, and them and uh, is studying the ways of God and seeks God's counsel instead of calling people that will just agree with him. You see? And uh, he's come a million miles and I'm very proud of him. That's why I can talk about it now. (laughs) Otherwise, if he was still in the midst of all that, I wouldn't mention it, right? (laughs) I have a bunch of folks in my life that way and uh, I'm very proud to just be a part of anything that we can all do to grow together. Amen. But I I tell him, you know, because sometimes in his mind, he'll go to this place where thinking that everybody's out to get him and how he's going to protect against that. And I'm like, listen, you've got to quit that. If you think everything you've got and done and have become is something that you built, then you're going to have to protect it. If you give all the glory to God. And you can trust him to do it. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, "Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen labor in vain." Amen. You know, you post a city in the old times with the wall, gates, and the big and the big citadels, and they had watchmen on those citadels watching for people who were coming to attack. And the Bible says, unless God is protecting y'all anyway, those guys are just wasting their time being up there. That's arrogance. To think that you got it all covered and you don't need God. Fear of faith. <coughs> Sometimes I will say, God or Google. People go to Google before they go God. Yeah, yep. Not saying there's anything wrong with the internet. It's a wealth of information on there and it's, it's a good deal. But... We should go to God first, and it has to be a has to be a. We have to choose. We have to decide that you know to make that change. Because I know that I know people and people I love dearly that uh, the first time somebody sneezes or uh, or tells them about a symptom or something like that, they start (laughs) web MD and all this stuff, and it's like, wait a minute, did you pray? Did we pray first? Yeah, yeah, of course, I did that. But so-and-so said, if you do this or take this, yeah, I'm like, you need to get your butt out of the way. <laughs> fear or faith? God or Google? Faith <laughs> or fear? God or the government? Hmm? People are misled. People are deceived. And they're deceiving others. And they need the real church. The real body of Christ. We're the only true light in this world. When the church is gone, people are in trouble. Now, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car, right? But if you're a Christian, you need to be in church. Just like that car needs to be in a a garage. If it's better protection there, more... It just stands to reason. But I want to encourage everyone that we're living in a a very good time in history. I know it doesn't seem like it, but as far as being a part of the army of God and the kingdom of God and children of God, I mean, just that right there alone, isn't that amazing? No matter what hardship you're going through in this little short flicker of a life that we're in, You win. You are God's child, and you're going to be with Him forever. He has scribbled your name down in the book of life, and nobody's going to blot it out. So, keep that in mind. Hmm. We're not searching like they did in the Old Covenant for that promised land Jesus has led us into the land of promises which we talk about all the time and as we take hold of those promises and latch on to them and apply them to our situations plant them in our hearts and speak them out by faith speak life into those situations and circumstances according to the promises of God because the promises of God are the will of God he never promised anything that it wasn't his will to do amen so you need to believe that. And when I say all the time, I put those scriptures together because I want it to be embedded in your heart. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you've seen Jesus, well then Acts 10.38 says that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So that's what the Father's will is. Amen. He said, I don't do anything I didn't see my Father do. That's all. Folks, every hair on my body is standing up right now. I don't have that many, but I could feel it. <laughs> Is that not touching in some way? (laughs) Hosea four six says something about that. Doesn't my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge? Amen. That's right. I see it every day. I hear it, and even in God's precious children, and it just it just burdens me because it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way, folks. But, you know, at the end of that letter that I read to you earlier, I didn't read to you the response. I told you it was very nice, but still full of some wrong doctrine and stuff. It even went on about how I know that this pandemic is something that God is doing to, you know, for purpose. And so, I mean, just wrong, wrong doctrine, wrong thinking, wrong teaching, wrong understanding. That word there he says for a lack of knowledge is really in the in the Hebrew which is in the old covenant which is what that was written in it's for a lack of knowing me is what it what it really means. People are dying because they don't really know God. If they knew him, they would know his provision for them, you see. They would trust him more. They would love him more. And when they believe, when we believe God, then it immediately starts getting better. We believe him, then we find out what, what he said. <laughs> and so I always start off with uh, John 10.10. 10. The first thing we need to know is that uh, good God, bad devil. Because Jesus said it. Wait a minute. He they accused him of, of, er, of everything the devil did. They always accused Jesus. And he just said, wait a minute. No, no, no. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy him. So anything that comes in your life To steal from you No matter what it is Doesn't have to be a physical thing A a financial thing Uh, It could be your peace It could be your marriage It could be your money It could be anything Steal, kill or destroy Not God That's devil So don't get mad at God And run to the devil For something the devil Put on you And that's where I find a lot of folks, unfortunately. But we have to shine brighter than ever now. Because the darkness is increasing. But in order to help others, we have to first be helped. You know, just like that oxygen mask dropping down in the plane. You know, you don't put it on the person with you or the kid with you first, even though that sounds like the thing to do. You have to put it on yourself first so that you're strong enough to help them. Amen so we, with the same help we received the healing everywhere we hurt empowerment through the promises of God the love of God we received through revelation of the holy spirit and the empowerment then we can help others with that same help amen amen hebrews 4:12 says for the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder Of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. Yeah. Hebrews 4.12. Circle it. Put it on your refrigerator. Because it makes a statement there. That is important. And you might miss it. It says. But at the end of this. He's talking about how amazing the word of God is and the fact that it's alive and active which is something that everybody needs to understand it's not just a old book written by men it's a book written by God and it's current it's alive and it'll say something to you today and something different tomorrow regarding the situation that you're in it'll come off the page and that's the Rama but now word from God for you amen, amen. amen. but it says piercing even it's like There's there's this thing. It's it's so wonderful. It can even do this. And you're like, what? Well, that's what Paul's saying about the word. It can even divide soul and spirit. What does that mean? Why would that be necessary? Why is that so important? Because sometimes it's hard for us to tell. Your spirit has the mind of Christ. The kingdom of God. You're always... Praising God in your spirit. You're always filled with the love, joy, and peace of God in your spirit. Not only the love, joy, peace, but patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Mm self-control. Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's already in there. Sometimes... Just like what we were talking about earlier, with people who have wrong thinking, wrong doctrine, wrong teaching, won't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe, I think, well, if they would, come to the point where they understand the scripture that says, all scripture is God breathed, that this is a book written by God, Then they would go in and weigh it out and compare their thinking to what God says and agree with God. Just a good place to stop. (laughs) (laughs) The word of God, the Holy Spirit, (laughs) prayer will keep you in line with God's will and his way and his word. If he says you have something, Believe it. When I said self-discipline is a fruit of the spirit of God, it is. If we indulge every thought, everything that's our will and our way, which most Christians don't, they want to do things God's way. But when it doesn't come in their way, in their time, they begin to reason in their mind and make it seem okay. They will convince themselves somehow, because we have a way of convincing ourselves, that it's okay. Because what they want or need is necessary. And that they are going to have to go ahead and take care of it because God hasn't done it yet. Yet. And they're not sure that he will. I'm telling you. 99% of the time when we do that. We're this close. To our breakthrough. And what God was going to give you. Is way better than what you decided to do. And when what you decided to do. Open a door for the devil into your life. That's maybe hard to shut. And now you have to go around that mountain again. God doesn't ever fail you. He just lets you take the test again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. It's better just to agree with God. And trust that everything he says you have. You do. Amen. And that he knows what you need. And loves you. Better than you love yourself. And will provide. Will do the things. That. That you need him to do and he'll do it in a way that's perfect and you won't have to you know the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it that's a good example you know I've had it without him and I was miserable and now I have a life of what we have determined is a life of abundance but it we know now that that doesn't necessarily mean treasure troves, uh, you know, and multi-million dollars in the bank and, and properties and all that. But it means that you always have enough for you and yours with something left over after the tithe and the offerings for, something, for someone else. Amen. That's a life of abundance. And it, it leads you to a place where you have to continually trust in God for that next step but after a while you'll just stop saying oh I don't know how this is gonna be dealt with or be taken care of because I don't see any way in the natural that's how you start out but then he keeps his track record just proves that his faithfulness every time well I don't know how now but I didn't know how those other 8,000 times and I've documented them all and every one is a praise report in the end God has a beautiful track record in your life and if you'll think about it and start to document it all you have to do in the middle of those nights when the devil is trying to torment you is just go back and look at all those reminders of how God showed up just in time and in the right way and even when you mess up he's there Jesus bore your sin on that cross and don't run from him run to him Let him get you back restored and on the right track. And one day, you're going to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you all. (laughs) Bye-bye. Wait, can I tell you one little quick story? It's a pirate story. There was a... There was a young man, 16 years old, back in the, oh, 1600 years ago. 16 years old, he was kidnapped by pirates and taken from England, which was under Roman control at the time, to Ireland. And he was in slavery, in bondage for some six years or so. He escaped and got on another ship and went back home. And over the next several years, he raised up an army and became a powerful (coughs) leader and went back and conquered all of his enemies in that land. (laughs) Sounds like a good movie, doesn't it? But let me change that story a little bit. Because that boy was St. Patrick. Mm. He was kidnapped by pirates. He was taken to Ireland. He, God told him to run one day where there would be a ship at the coastline waiting for him to take him back home, and he did. The story about the army and the Great leadership is true on a spiritual level. He became a minister, a priest. He went back to Ireland where he had been enslaved to go and preach the gospel. And he was a powerful, powerful man of God. He was not a green beard drinking Leprechaun. He was a powerful man of God. And I'll read just a little passage out of a book called The Life and Times of St. Patrick. Listen to this. Want to learn Christian warfare? For the blind and the lame, the deaf and the dumb, the palsied, the lunatic, the leprous, the epileptic, all who labored under any disease did he, St. Patrick, in the name of the Holy Trinity, restore unto the power of their limbs and unto entire health. <clears throat> and, in these, and in these good deeds he was daily practiced. Thirty and three dead men, some of whom had been many years buried, did this great reviver raise from the dead. He used the three-leaf clover as an illustration to teach about the Trinity. We ought to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, which is Wednesday, by preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out devils. This is new covenant warfare, folks. And we're going to learn lots more about it. I'm going to start teaching you guys pretty soon about all the demonic um, forces uh, uh, that come against us, how to deal with these little punks. And uh, I'm just, I've been waiting for it to get enough. um, I'll put it like this. You don't want to get Christians looking for a demon on every doorknob (laughs) until they start seeing Jesus in everything. Right. okay and I think y'all are about ready for that so most some of you probably weigh more than me so won't be long all right praise God God bless y'all love you have a great week